Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 11th of July, and I'm Govindraj Athiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital. Our top reports and themes for the day. Taiwan's Foxconn formally pulls out of a joint venture with Vedanta from a much-touted $19.5 billion semiconductor manufacturing project. How India's diabetes drug market is exploding as off-patent drug prices fall. Taylor Swift economics and a few lessons for tourism and events. India has an aggregate rains surplus now, but crop sowing patterns have suffered. This is a core report with Govindraj Athiraj. A much-touted joint venture comes to an end. Quite a few years ago, a senior journalist colleague of mine took me along to meet Aditya Birla, the founder of the AV Birla Group, for an interview we were doing for our fortnightly magazine. Several industries were being opened up for private sector entry at the time, and it had become quite fashionable to ask every industrialist which business they were considering diversifying into, and follow that up with, how will you do it? Birla, if I remember correctly, talked about power, telecom, and finance as some of the areas they were looking into at that point. To our question on whether the Birlas could manage so many diversifications, his answer was, who else will do it if we don't? These are all new areas. Indian business has been constantly diversifying into new areas since the 1990s, either into some that were earlier closed off to the private sector or new areas that have opened up subsequently. The Vedanta Group, run by Anil Agarwal, calls itself, as I mentioned in the core report earlier once, a global natural resources conglomerate operating in India and Africa in industries ranging from oil and gas to metals and zinc and to aluminum to iron ore and nickel. I also asked in the same report who all could be setting up a semiconductor plant and wondered aloud why, for example, a software company like Infosys could not or Wipro and HCL, the last two having had computer hardware businesses some years ago. After all, companies like Facebook and Google were venturing into hardware or Uber getting into cars and so on. Now, the answers to all those questions that I posed a little earlier were, of course, self-evident and could have been answered by anyone or anyone who follows markets. But as has been speculated in the last week, this $19.5 billion Foxconn Vedanta joint venture has been called off, apparently mutually, and both will now pursue a semiconductor project independently. The duo had signed a MOU or Memorandum of Understanding in September 2022 with the Gujarat government to set up the country's first semiconductor manufacturing facility. It was also positioned as independent India's biggest ever corporate investment so far. That project had also caused some heartburn in neighboring Maharashtra, where we are, which is usually in the fray for major industrial projects of this kind. Now, the project has had problems of various kinds and has attracted particular attention because it is understandably heavily dependent on government incentives, more than half the cost, actually. And then several reports surfaced about Vedanta's indebtedness, which the group claimed was under control. There was also some vagueness in the way Vedanta talked about the project's domicile, not being clear whether it was the listed Indian company or a separate subsidiary or venture that would drive this. We at the core also reported on this matter, being the vagueness and where this project would be housed, And that led to a censure and fine from the Securities and Exchange Board of India as it happened a little later. All told, not very good optics. Meanwhile, on the technical side, the duo had earlier pitched to manufacture a much higher-end chip plant, whereas the government wanted a lower-end. Think 
chips in the latest mobile phones versus chips that go into smart TVs or cars. Interestingly, while Foxconn can claim considerable experience in electronics manufacture, like iPhones, it has no semiconductor manufacturing experience. India's electronics minister said that it was well known that both companies had no prior semicon experience or technology and were expected to source fab tech from a tech partner. While their joint venture had submitted a proposal for a 28 nanometer fab, fab is the term that's used for semiconductor manufacturing plants, they could not source appropriate tech partners for that proposal, Minister Rajiv Chandrasekhar said after news of the two breaking up formally surfaced. In a statement, Foxconn said that it was working to remove the Foxconn name from what now is the fully owned entity of Vedanta. Foxconn has no connection to this entity and efforts to keep the original name will cause confusion for future stakeholders. Foxconn also said it would continue to strongly support the government's Make in India ambitions and establish a diversity of local partnerships that meet the needs of stakeholders. Last week, Vedanta said it had taken full ownership of the JV with Foxconn set up last year to manufacture semiconductors. The JV, Vedanta Foxconn Semiconductors, was a wholly owned subsidiary of Vedanta Group Entity Twin Star Technologies. Now, to come back to that original poser from Aditya Birla many years ago, yes, there will be no semiconductor or electronics manufacturer with the sophistication to make chips in India on their own. There are only a handful in the world as it happens. So the local partner will or would willy-nilly be someone with little or no background in this area. But the question and answer could be nuanced a little more or ask the other somewhat obvious question. Why someone like Reliance Geo, who is in downstream telecom products and services at such scale, riding on large device partnerships already, not venturing into this space or other telecom companies? Why is it that only a company that's into mining and smelting, where it's almost a heaven and earth technology gap between an aluminum plant and a chip manufacturing facility, at least the kind that TSMC of Taiwan and Intel are putting up in different parts of the world? So the answer is obvious in some ways. It is about entrepreneurial grit and determination to do something bigger and to strike out anew. Birla could do it in his time, as have many, many others, including Anil Agarwal himself, in the many other bold bets he's undertaken. Perhaps the lesson is a bit of an old one, being the importance of stronger balance sheets and firm cash flows. Diabetes drugs are becoming big business as prices fall. The Indian pharmaceutical industry is poised to now hit the $57 billion mark by fiscal 24-25 from around $50 billion just now. The Indian pharma industry has grown from $35 billion in FI or fiscal year 18 to about $50 billion in fiscal 23 and could touch $57 billion by fiscal 25, Care Edge, the research agency has said. Now, in the domestic market, one area that is growing rapidly is the diabetes and the OAD or the oral anti-diabetes medicine market. Some 9-10% to of India's population suffers from type 2 diabetes, which puts the figure clearly above the 100 million mark. The percentage figures, as I understand, have not really changed as much. But because the population is rising, the number of patients are also rising. Of this, some half the people don't even know that they have diabetes and thus it remains undetected. Now, it remains undetected till it goes into the final stage, which typically means insulin injections. So the idea obviously is to detect and treat it earlier where possible 
and then treated with oral drugs as opposed to injections. Now, interestingly, many drug makers have jumped into this space, of course, because the market for diabetes is large, but equally because many drugs have gone off patent. And importantly, many drugs which were expensive are now available at a lower price. Sheetal Sapale of analytics firm PharmaRack says many high-end medicines are now available at much lower prices. And she says that from some 1,200 brands in this space five years ago, there are now over 2,000 brands. I spoke to her and began by asking her to describe the diabetes challenges we are looking at from a pharmaceutical industry point of view and why there was so much action at this point. So, diabetic population in India, the prevalence is around the 10 to 11 percent, and the prevalence has remained more or less the same. However, shifting dynamics of the drugs of choice, in a sense, many of the advanced oral diabetic medicines that are available in the market today have started going off patent. Viltagliptin had gone off patent somewhere in 2019, Adapagliclozin went off patent in 2020, and Cetagliptin went off patent in July 2020. So what has happened is because drugs have started going off patent, these high-end medicines are now available at an affordable price to many patients who were earlier eligible but couldn't afford it because it was expensive. Now, because these medicines have become affordable, many of the patients who are on the traditional products, traditional drugs which are given, which is sulfonylureas, they couldn't afford the high-end oral antidiabetics Though they were eligible, you know, they should have taken those oral antidiabetics because their sugar would have been in better control. Those patients are now shifting or the doctors are now shifting those patients to the newer oral antidiabetics. This is an opportunity which many players or many Indian players who were otherwise not in the oral antidiabetic space or had limited presence, they have sensed this opportunity and many players have jumped into this market. Yeah, and which are the more prominent brands here, which uh, either have come in in the recent past or are bridging this price gap, as you pointed out? Uh, I wouldn't name any particular prominent brand. Then many Indian companies have now entered into the space. Typically, what happens is whenever a innovator brand comes into the market, the innovator company usually partners with one or two strong Indian players. For example, uh, if you look at Novartis, Novartis had partnered with the USV. Also, Novartis had partnered with Lupin while they were launching their innovator brands. Similarly, MSD had also partnered with uh, Sun Pharma to launch their innovator brands. So, with a strong Indian player, there is a strong partnership to penetrate the specialties in a better way. But then once the drugs start going off patent, other Indian players who are not very strong in that segment or have a stronger reach to the CPGP population, which can now have a patient base to prescribe these high-end molecules, they start entering the market. As a result, earlier, if there were just uh, two players operating in the market, all of a sudden you see more than 100 brands operating in the market. So the number of brands increases significantly. I want to just give a simple statistic. In the year 2019, there were close to 1,200 brands present in the OED segment. Whereas today, in the year 2023, there are more than 2,000 brands which operate in the OED segment. So essentially, if you look, in the last five years, the number of brands have doubled. However, if I were to look at the quantity consumption of the oral antidiabetics, uh, what we see is there is just a 10% growth over 2019. So the number of patients that are there in the market have more or less remained the same. Whereas the number of brands that have come to seize the opportunity of price advantage 
they have almost doubled. So this is a challenge which the market faces. We also try to do some more analysis on how much have these new players or overall the number of players who have entered in the market, have they been genuinely built to make the most of it? So in 2019, almost 550 brands had a turnover of greater than 1 crore. Whereas in 2023, it's almost 380 brands which have a turnover of greater than 1 crore. This indirectly indicates that there is a fierce competition among the brands to make the most from the limited patient population. So in a fragmented market like this, uh, clearly there are some players who would have benefited more than the others and have grabbed a much larger share. Who would these be and should patients, for instance, trust such brands? Or would they be better off with such brands? Uh, to name a few companies who have managed to make the most by launching the branded genetics in this area would be companies like Zydus, Eris, Mankind, Torrent. Uh, these are the companies and of course there are many more. But these are a few companies who genuinely managed to take advantage of the situation and probably they had the strategies in place because they are brands who have managed to cross a turnover of 10 crore plus in this area. So there would be a good number of more examples but then top of the mind these are the companies who have really done well. And Shital, as you look ahead, how do you see this space evolving? I mean, do you see more consolidation? Do you see, uh, you know, I mean, and also, I guess it's to do with the demand side, but from the supply side, how are you seeing it? Uh, see, the space is such that the moment a product goes off patent, people will start jumping into the market and try to make the most of it. So earlier when Vildagliptin lost patent, many people jumped in the Vildagliptin opportunity. Then DAPA lost patent. Many players entered the DAPA, then CETA lost patent and I think now uh, Lina Glipton will be losing patent. So many people are ready to enter this Lina Glipton segment. So the moment an opportunity is seen, many players will definitely jump in the market. Unfortunately, besides uh, anti-diabetes segment, there are not many other therapy areas where there are a lot of innovative molecules or innovative molecules going off patent. So with a limited molecular opportunity available, Indian players will jump into the segment wherever it is available. Because if you see, when we try to analyze what are the new molecules that have entered Indian pharma market, besides anti-diabetes segment, in other therapy areas, not many new entries have happened. It is only this anti-diabetes segment where major amount of activity is happening. So with whatever limited opportunities there, everybody will jump in the market. Unfortunately, the patient population remains the same. Now, one opportunity that the Indian players definitely have is ensuring that the patient population becomes bigger. Do we have an opportunity over there? Definitely, yes. Because when we look at different reports, even when we discuss with doctors, what we have realized is almost 50% of the Indian population, which is diabetic, goes undetected. And because of which, get detected in the last stages, wherein instead of going on an oral anti-diabetic, they have to be put directly on the insulin. So, finding out some ways, some means to ensure that this undetected population comes to the surface faster would be an opportunity for Indian players. There have to be some activities that have to be done along with doctors for the same. But that's the only opportunity that is available. Right, Chital. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Thank you so much. By the way, diabetes ranks fourth in therapies in India after cardiac, anti-infectives and gastrointestinal and is followed by vitamins of all kinds. India's Devastating Drains 
India has been slammed with high-intensity rains across the country, leading to much loss of life and damage to public and private property. While this year's monsoon was delayed, the numbers show that the deficit has already been made up at the national aggregate level, though the variations within and across the country are quite wide, with sharp deficits in some parts of the country like East, Central and South, and high surpluses in others like Northern India. But the delay has affected crop sowing patterns, which will affect agricultural output and productivity down the line. A report released yesterday by Bank of Baroda Research says that overall sown area of Kharif crops declined by about 9% compared with last year as of 7th July 2023. Kharif crops typically include rice, maize, bajra, ragi and groundnut among others. On the other hand, there was higher acreage for sugarcane, about 5% along with jowar and bajra crops. Now, I will revisit these numbers in a week or so along with reservoir levels, another interesting stat worth tracking through the monsoons with, of course, some analysis from people who know. And the Taylor Swift economy. A totally unverified, and I repeat unverified, social media post on TikTok and then picked up all over says that there were 22 million registrations for Taylor Swift's upcoming concert in Singapore. Did you ask how upcoming? Well, this is in March next year, that's 2024, between the 2nd and 9th, if you really wanted to know, and of course, tickets are already sold out. The same post pointed out that Singapore's population is 5.5 million. Now, this part is at least verified. So, if you were to believe the first one, something like four times the population of Singapore was ready to head into that island city and country if it only could. Unfortunately, not. There were only 330,000 seats in all and tickets went on sale on Friday last week and of course ended immediately after that. Taylor Swift is also performing in Japan and Australia but nowhere is the frenzy as much as it is in Singapore. Much of the demand for tickets in Singapore is now coming from countries all across the region including in India which has its fair share of Swifties as they are called. So people will or would have typically bought tickets wherever they are in South and Southeast Asia and then head to Singapore because among other things, it has world-class infrastructure and the ability to handle events at scale. Rock group Coldplay is playing in January 2024 between 23rd and 30th and most of these tickets are sold out too. In addition to good infrastructure, it's easy to get Singapore visas and of course many countries get visas on arrival. But it's not just the obvious benefits like hotel rooms and other entertainment-linked spending that will happen on those days. Holders of UOB bank credit cards were given preferred access leading to, according to reports, a 45% surge in daily credit card applications in Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia and Vietnam the week after SWIFT announced her dates, according to Reuters. All this could lead to something called SWIFTflation as billions of dollars will be spent and a billion or so will be earned by Taylor Swift in this tour called Eras. In considerable contrast, French band Gypsy Kings performed in Mumbai last month. Now, this is the version featuring guitarist Diego Baleardo, and they also performed in Bangalore and Pune. I found out about it purely by chance because a friend from Delhi spotted it on a booking app and texted it to me. The event was inside a mall in central Mumbai, The music was great, but the rest of the experience, including a most painful drive on a Friday evening, was totally forgettable, as was the venue itself, more befitting for a college band or the like. I'm not blaming anyone here, because quite likely the economics was such. 
there has been much written and talked about about India's struggling life performance opportunity and how so many cities could do so much more, including relaxing prohibitive regulations. There is obviously a larger tourism boost story in this. But the thing is, we all know it, as we do the efforts of the many entrepreneurs who have struggled to do their bit in this space. But I guess it's worth reminding ourselves occasionally, I guess, in a more comprehensive way, rather than looking at one concert somewhere in isolation. That's it from me. Have a great day ahead and see you tomorrow. Do write in with your feedback and also let me know if there's something different you would like me to focus on as a weekly occasional, as my friend Neeraj Jha wrote to me. You can write in to me at govindraj at thecore.in or connect with me on LinkedIn. Thanks and bye. This was The Core Report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in. That is www.thecore.in. Or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core.in. Thank you for listening.